Attention the Ground. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 54 is part of a special series at Attentionally Grounded entitled Rider Revival, the story of the 2019 Roosevelt Rough Rider football program. This three-part series will chronicle the story of head coach Mitch Moore and the 2019 Roosevelt Rough Riders located in Des Moines, Iowa. The transformative story is shared from the point of view of Coach Moore, as well as assistant coach Todd McGackie, and details the ups and downs of the special season that helped revive a once dormant program into a competitive program and culture on the rise. Learn the background of Coach Moore and what led him to Roosevelt in Episode 1, followed by the story of the 2019 Rough Riders in Episode 2, and culminating with the schematic system breakdown of the Roosevelt offense and defense in Episode 3. For coaches looking for a story and resources on program building, overcoming adversity, X's and O's, and transforming a culture, this series featuring the Roosevelt Rough Riders will not disappoint. Join us on our journey with the 2019 Rough Rider football team as Intentionally Grounded proudly presents Rider Revival. Coach, you played high school football uh, at Ballard High School, Ballard Huxley High School. It's a great program in the state of Iowa. Talk about what it was like uh, growing up in central Iowa. Really, that's kind of what the, you know, the golden circle in Iowa, what they call the hub. Uh, what that meant to you growing up as a youth kid and, and then also as your high school career got underway? Well, you know, playing football at Ballard and, and, and certainly under, under Coach Christian, who, who's been a mentor of mine my entire life, was, was obviously something that shaped me throughout my life. You know, I mean, growing up in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, football, you know, it, it wasn't just the only – it was the only thing in town growing up, you know. And, and so it, it, it was just – it was one of those things where it created great discipline in your life, uh, great consistency, taught you how to be a part of a team. Um, you know, how to win on and off the field. And, and so really it was kind of the catalyst that got me into where I am today was, was growing up playing football in Ballard in, 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 a, in a small town where, where you, you grew up your whole life. You were there from the time you were in kindergarten until you graduated, and that's how it used to be. And so, um, you know, obviously forever grateful to have done it and, and played for Coach Christian. And, and, and going back to your hometown always humbles you, so it's, it's fun to still be close to – close to Ballard and, and, and watch and certainly cheer for them when you're not playing against them. Now, Coach, when you left Ballard, you went to one of the most prestigious D3 programs in the country, which is Wisconsin Whitewater. And while you're there, you won a national championship while you were contributing as a wide receiver. Talk us through a little bit about what the experience was like playing for such a prestigious program and winning a national title. Well, you know, getting an opportunity to to play at Wisconsin Whitewater and then I got a coach there when I was done was was again it had a certain brand of winning and a certain approach to everything they did with just such great detail and great consistency and, and everything they did and for me I, I was unique I came in I, I certainly wasn't a superstar in high school and I wasn't a, a superstar by any means when I was playing at Whitewater I kind of had to earn my way to to finally into a starting role by the time I was a senior and so um, as a player I got every spectrum I had to I had to take the the falls that the freshmen do when you come in and as a sophomore and junior sometimes when you think you should be playing but you play a little bit of special teams and you keep having to earn your way and earn your right to play uh, uh, for such a prestigious program so I finally was able to do that as a senior it's not just about the superstar and it's not just about the um, always developing uh, you know the freshmen you know you've got to have um, great perspective and and, and you got to have a great pride in developing everybody on your program so I think that was really unique for me. And then the whole time that I was going through that experience, obviously we were building this championship program. And, and, and in 2007, we won the national championship and then went on kind of a historic run along with us in Mount Union. And 
And so I got to coach in that and, and, and win 45 games in a row. And, and, and just the rigor and the, and the drive and the determination that it took to do that, um, you look back and you just go, holy cow. You didn't realize how special it was until you really get a chance to look back and go to other places. But um, certainly, as I talk about, high school shaped me, um, you know, shaped me as a man at times. And certainly football had a big, big point of that. But, but my college years and my time at Whitewater is, is, is really the reason I'm, I'm sitting here today as a head coach because it just um, – it, it embodied everything that, that, that football provides in, in, a, in a really six- to seven-year time period that I was there. And it, I was there for – for the for the rise of, of of a special program and it was it was really fun coach kind of to follow up on that how does a kid from central iowa end up at whitewater i mean how does that even you know you might be one of one percenters that end up from iowa at wisconsin whitewater there's no question you know i i was a, a guy who's actually the head coach at, at dubuque university now stan's weefel um just a just a relentless recruiter and uh he recruited all over and he'd send flyers out back in that day. I mean, you, you, it wasn't an email. It wasn't text messages. Very, very rarely were they even hardly calling home at the D3 level. You'd, you'd get something in the mail or you'd get something at school and coach would hand it to you. And, and uh, really, I, I got in contact with Coach Zwiefel and we just we kept kind of staying in contact. And I, I wasn't going to play, you know, football at that level and didn't want to do that. But I had a I had a brother at the time that was living in Indianapolis. And, and so. For whatever reason, my parents said, let's go to Whitewater on our way to Chicago, on our way to Indianapolis. And we went up there and and uh, the rest is kind of history. But um, just a unique, uh, unique story about a guy who just was kind of, it was relentless in pursuing a guy that wasn't even that good at football, but just to come up and be a part of his program. And, and uh, it, it turned out to be, it turned out to be a lot of, a lot of fun and, and certainly really thankful that that happened to me. That's a, that's a good story. So coach, you got done playing. Uh, you got right into coaching. Uh, what got you into coaching? And, you know, you talked about Coach Zweifel a little bit there. What were some other early influences in your career and, and some coaches maybe today you follow? I know there's a lot going on, but the, some coaches that you follow today. And, you know, yeah. you follow up with the, the Mount Rushmore question here when you get done. Yeah, you bet. You know, I, how I got into coaching was you know, when I got up to Whitewater um, and I finally got up there, I got injured my sophomore year. And, um, and so – instead of getting kicked to the curb and, and, and just saying, hey, go, go do your lifts four times a week and go do your rehab. Um, you know, Coach Dinkle was our O-line coach, eventually ended up being our offensive coordinator when I coached here, but just said, hey, I know you played receiver, but you're going to kind of come be under my wing and, and learn how this coaching field works and learn how to really study the game and learn how to, you know, study people and, 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 and see how hard it is to, to be a coach and what the work's like, and, and you're not just going to, you're not going to kind of be a byproduct of our program. And so um, at that time I was a sophomore and, and uh, I, I really did that. I, I kind of learned how, how he coached and, and, and the extra time and effort he put into building relationships. And so from that time on about a sophomore year in high school, and then I went and played another three years, but, or sophomore in college. But from that point on, I knew like that, that's what I wanted to do. My mom was a teacher and, and coaching's teaching. I think we all know that it's, that's what, that's what coaching is. And so, I always wanted to do something where I was giving back to, to young men and, and, and helping them in their life like so many great mentors did in mine. And so at that point in time when I was a sophomore in college, Coach Dinkle was, was kind of the guy that, that really I looked up to. And then when we got done playing uh, the national championship game in 2007, you know, I was flying home on the plane and our wide receiver coach at the time took another job. And um, Coach Leopold said, hey, you're, you're the next guy up. And, and I know 
you're not going to have a lot of time to enjoy this national championship because we're going to get on the road recruiting. And so um, I had always been a guy in, in our program that when, when recruits came on campus, I helped recruit them and, and helped sell our vision. And I had a bunch of pride and passion for Wisconsin Whitewater. And I think that kind of came out in the way I sold the program and, and helped bring recruits to, to our program at the time. And so the recruiting transition was easy for me. Um, but certainly as a player, you, you don't know the X's and O's like you think you do. You just know your position. And so um, that's, that's where I had to learn. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I was really fortunate just to be around some, some unbelievable leaders and, and from the X and O standpoint too, certainly at Whitewater. And then um, as I went and, and, and got to the Division One level and got to work with Coach Rose and Coach Campbell, um, certainly around just, just X and O geniuses at times. So um, I've seen a lot of football, seen a lot of great programs, but, but certainly – Whitewater and, and, and Coach Dinkle and, and Coach Leopold and, and some of those coaches that I got an opportunity to work under and play under are the ones that I really um, credit for starting this for me. Now you did kind of allude to a little bit there, your time under Coach Rhodes and, and Coach Campbell while at Iowa State. Tell us a little bit about the difference between these two. What's the kind of the major differences maybe philosophically or approach-wise, um, just kind of their style of coaching. What was it like uh, coaching under both of those gentlemen? Well, uh, unbelievable. Just an unbelievable experience for, from both of them. Um, you know, I, I've got nothing but great things to say about both of them as, as, as number one, as men. You know, they're both just great men. And I think that's, that's really important you know, when you work for great men. And so, uh, but, but certainly different, certainly different in their approach, different than their, their um, the way they studied football, the different. And Coach Campbell is, is, is prideful and is passionate and, and is, um, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and every decision he makes, he makes it with great emotion. Um, certainly loved. He was from the Ames area, the central Iowa area. And so he was so thankful to be coaching at Iowa state and loved where he was at and loved what he was doing. And um, he wore that emotion every single day. And, and so you never forget that. I think that's something I'll always take away from him is just love what you're doing, love where you're at. Um, because, because when you're the leader of a program, people see that, you know? And, and so, um, coach, coach Rose did that to a T did that as good as any coaches I've ever been around. Um, you know, and, and then certainly coach Campbell, um, just the detail and, and, and his approach to, to building everybody in his program. He empowers everybody in his program, um, as good as anybody I've ever been around. Um, and, and certainly he, he's a great visionary, you know, I mean, he's always, he's, he's always, I guess the best way to put it is he's just always a student of the game. And I think he, the coaches around him, he always wants to be students of the game and, and never think that you, you've invented it or you've, you've created the, you've created the, the win all play. I think that's what was so unique about Matt. He was always trying to get better. Oh, everything he was do doing, he was trying to, to put pressure on people in a good way to make them better, make the people around him better, empower the people around him better. And, and then um, just a really good communicator in, in terms of transparency and, and, and where you stood and, and what you needed to do to get to where you could be the best version of you. And, um, you know, Coach Campbell is the best I've been around. He, he just – and it doesn't mean he's the best. He's just the best I've been around. And, and uh, just the way he, he operates from, from A to Z is really impressive. He can do it all. Coach, to kind of hit on that, the very first time I met Coach Campbell, I uh, was at the Iowa State Coaches Clinic his first year uh, in the Circuit End Zone Center. And he was in the front row listening to high school coaches talk, and he was taking notes. Taking notes. Any time that he was at a meeting that was of any importance, he had a pen and paper, and he was always taking notes, and he was always diligent in doing so. And, and um, certainly as, as I was an assistant, that was something when I, 
I've always watched head coaches. I, I, I did that as a young age. And, and when I was, when I was young, I knew I, I just loved to watch head coaches, how they operate. And so everywhere I went, I, I, I did that. And, and, you know, that was certainly one of the things I noticed about Matt right away is that he was always taking notes. He was always trying to get in and soak in as much information as he could from anybody. And I, I think that's what's, um, you know, he, he's, he's such a humble guy. And, and when you're around people like that, that, that do those things and you just go, this is the, this is one of the most, you know, revered coaches in college football right now. He's as impressive as anybody. When you left Iowa State, you took your first head, you know, head coach job at Greene County, uh, Jefferson, Iowa. Uh, talk about what that experience was like and how you turned around uh, a program that was, I mean, it was down when you yeah. were, when you got there, it was down. Um, you know, and it won an eight in year one, but in year two, eight and two, and really last year they were, uh, nine and nine and two or, or you know I mean yeah. they were a second round playoff team or whatever again you know that was like work obviously carried through this year as well for them yeah and I think you know the the, the credit's got to go to ultimately the the players and and, and um, certainly our staff and, and myself laid a great foundation for hard work and discipline and, and and trying to do as many things we could in terms of of making themselves better athletes from, from day one. But the kids really, they, they bought into what we're doing. They bought into what we were doing there. Um, they bought into us as coaches and people, and, and, and they changed some of their habits in, in a really quick time. And, and of course, um, you know, we had a Division One left tackle who's as, who's as good and as tough and as physical as anybody in 2A football and really in, in, in Iowa high school football, and we're playing 2A. And so that helps. We had good athletes, um, guys that had – that had the genetic makeups to be good football players. And we just had to kind of change some of their habits and, and, and create a culture of, of winning. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, at that place, what I'm most proud of is we did such a good job of tuning everything else out. And, it, and we really, we just molded young men and, and tuned out the outside of what people wanted us to be or what they thought we should be or what their idea of, of a football program should be run and said, Hey, let's take these 45 to 60 men on this program and, and, and try to, let's go win football games. Let's do it together and let's do it the best way we know how. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, as a head coach, you know, you, you learn so much one and eight. I've come from uh, places of winning for, for a better half of a decade. And then you're at a division one program. You've got a lot of great, uh, what you think are answers or solutions to things. And, and you try to implement them. And I, I probably did try to do too much by myself, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't do what Matt does and empower people around him and, and, and because of that, that doesn't that doesn't open up, you know, the program for everybody. And so, you, I mean, I learned so much. I, I, I say this, and I'll, hopefully I'll say this in 20 years, I probably learned more year one as a head football coach in high school at a small school in, in Western Iowa than, than, I, than I have at any point in my career because you have to really self-evaluate and see, you know, I, I knew from a strength conditioning standpoint, I knew from an X and O standpoint I was doing things that were right in terms of, but maybe I need to do a better job of teaching it. Maybe I need to do a better job of, 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 again, empowering people around me and, and, and teaching them how to teach it. And, and so, um, you know, just being a better leader. And I think so that, that, that hopefully that'll carry over for, for a long time in my coaching career. If I ever, I, I, I lean back, I'll lean back on that year quite a bit and, and, and just reflect and, and help evaluate myself. And coach, would you say some of those things that you've learned from those previous stops, whether it be the empowerment of players or the trusting of the assistant coaches and delegating more, you know, resp responsibilities to them, or you know, just the small day-to-day -day operations? Do you think those lessons that you've learned and internalized have really helped foster your success at your future stops? No, no question. I mean, 
no question it, it did even in, in year two in Greene County and then certainly year one in, in Roosevelt, you know, we were able to take this place to the, to the playoffs the first time in 23 years. And so, and, and a lot of those lessons I learned this year or used this year in year two in Greene County were from, from year one. And I just, I think it goes back to the things that we did really good is, is was make sure that, that you get your commit, your kids committed, committed to the program. And, and how you do that is ultimately if you're ever going to, something's going to be really important in your life, you got to work really hard at it. Right. And, and you can have all the cliches and all the culture sayings you want and, and, and get all, and, and try to get as much buy-in as you want from, from outside sources. But at the end of the day, your kids need to commit it, be committed to the football program and working hard and getting better at football and getting their bodies better and getting their minds tougher and getting those things and buying into your program. And, and I think that at the end of the day, when you, when you peel back the onion, I think that's what we've done really good in my three years is, is we've got whatever that group of kids that wants to be bought in, they're all in. And, and, and eventually that group grows because people want to be part of, of successful programs. Right. I mean, that's, you know, and, and when you make yourself kind of an elite group inside of a school because you're working harder, or you're putting more time, and you're putting more effort into it, and then some of that stuff's paying off, more kids want to be part of it. So I think it starts with that core group and that core group and getting those guys to believe in, to, to believe in what you want them to do, what, what hard work really looks like, what dedication and, and consistency and being on time really looks like. Um, and if you can develop those habits, you start doing those things off the field right too. You start treating people right because – that, that helps you that helps you be more successful anyway and it, and you start doing the little things right because it helps you be more successful and so um, you know I think again you, you have you, you have all the thoughts down on paper but, but what does that really look like when you go into a program as a head coach and I think you know to me it, it, it just it starts with you you as a head coach you got to work really hard and, you, and you've got to put a lot of time and effort into it you've got to be committed to it you, you've touched on this a little bit. What are some of the core things that you really t talked about? You know, it's hard work, but some of the foundational beliefs or some people call them non-negotiables that you have within your football program that really have shaped your coaching career. Yeah. And, and I think if you look at those, you know, the four things that, that we kind of talk about in our program or the non-negotiables is, is number one, beyond time. I think that's so important for everything you do in life. Um, you know, whether it was, it was the three of us getting together tonight or whether that was us, you know, telling our wife we're going to be home at, at 6.15 or whether it was you have to pick your kid up from, from daycare at, at this certain time. Being on time is such an important characteristic of successful people. That, that That's a non-negotiable for me. I think if you ask our guys, that would be something that we talk about at nauseum and something that I really um, I think is really important. You know, I think number two is communication. Um, this day and age, there's just so many things that our kids do that, it's not like growing up when, when we did it in football and you had practice at this time, you had nothing else going on. Well, that, that's not reality. So if we want to sit back and the coaches and think that is reality, we're going to be, we're going to be mistaken and we're going to probably, probably lead, probably not lead in the most effective way. So for me, it's, it's communication. If our kids can't do something or can't be at something, be honest and, and communicate it to me beforehand. And, and likewise, our communication has got to permeate throughout our program. From, from me to our coaches, from our coaches to our players, and from our players back to our head coach, we've got to have great lines of open communication, being honest. But, I mean, we talk about communication all the time and, and effective ways to communicate and effective ways to look at your huddle messages and effective ways to read the board when coaches write something on there. Um, and I think if you're detailing that, you know, throughout the offseason, then when you get into a game in a critical situation, um, the communication is so important, right? You know, why is Duke basketball so important? They communicate probably better than anybody for the last 
25 years. And so you've got to really harp on your communication part in the off season so that when you get in those critical moments in, in, in the heat of the battle, your communication stays intact. So that, that's number two. You know, I think number three, we, we talk about this in our program all the time, is just urgency. Now, you know, um, both at Greene County and, and certainly here at Roosevelt, we're, we've got good athletes. We've got fast athletes. We've got guys that can play with great speed. We've got to be able to operate with speed and urgency and, and, and do that in everything we do. That, again, that can't be a thing we turn on on Friday nights or we turn on in August. We've got to turn that on. And, and we started that, you know, two weeks ago in our off-season program. And, and today we've got our Thanksgiving through Christmas. We've really got a, we've really got a, a three-week stretch here that we've got to have great detail. But, but more importantly, we talked about this morning, we've we got to have great urgency to what we're doing. When we get in the weight room, it's got to be urgent from the time that the whistle blows to the time we leave so that we can replicate that, you know, during the season. So, you know, between being on time, um, you know, uh, great communications, urgency, and then, and then I think a thing that my kids would certainly say is, is being an energy giver and not an energy taker. And, and everything we're going to do, we want it to do with great energy. And, and some, sometimes, guys, that could be negative energy. It's negative energy that, that creates a little bit of just – um, tenacity of the way you play or the way you lift or the way you go about your business that day in football, but have energy. If you don't have energy to me, that's a, that's a first sign of you not being able to control your attitude or your effort because you've got no energy and you can't control it. But even if you, sometimes you just, you, you foster fake enthusiasm and it creates energy for you. I think that that permeates throughout a room. And, and when guys have good energy in your rack, that's going to teach you to score. You're, you're going to want to squat better that day. You're going to get that last set of cleans. When the head coach has energy when he walks in the room, it could be negative. You, you, could be, you could be, there's some things that need to get hashed out that day and you need to talk to your team about it. You need to have a, you need to have a great, great energy when you, when you give them that point. And, 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 of course, obviously, I think more often than not, you've got to have positive energy, but that's something that, um, you know, that's, that's hard to sustain. It's really easy to talk about and it's really easy to, to do at the beginning of August or the, or the beginning of your off-season program. But to sustain consistent energy is probably one of the things that, um, I try to do the most when I'm around my kids, me as a head coach, the leader of the program and, and having everything filtered down. I think that's that, that fourth pillar to me, just creating energy around your program. That's my job. Um, and, and those people that play for me and work for me, I think they understand that um, maybe not always, again, not always the, the, the positive energy or, but, but mo more often than not positive, but just energy, create energy around your program because that, that can drive you to, to get outside your comfort zone and really push yourself to be better. I think you hit on something that's perfect, talking about how the head coach really sets the, the tone, sets the culture for the entire program, the vision. I think we all can also agree that it's the players and it's the assistant coaches, the ones that really help drive home that culture, cultural aspect and really make it part of what defines you as a coach and defines you as a program. And so, you know, in terms of that leadership piece, what are some ways that you cultivate leadership in your program? You know, for, for me and our, our program, the ways we cultivate leadership, I think, you know, leadership's defined by, by what, what guys do, in, in my belief, or what kids or what young men or what coaches do in, in critical situations or important moments, you know, in life, in, in the game of football, whatever that may be. And so I think what, what we try to do to cultivate leadership in our program is, and I certainly do this with our coaches and I do this with our players, is I, as I always put, I'm putting pressure on our players and putting them putting pressure on them to be better than they were today, putting pressure on our coaches to work a little harder than, than the team next to us or, or than they have before, put more time and energy into building relationships. You know, it's not just always more hours watching film. It's, it's, it's 
putting yourself in uncomfortable situations to, to help yourself become a better leader. You know, I think as the three of us sit here today, you know, some things we've ever done in our life where, where we have to lead or you have to be put in situations, you're always better when you've done it the second time. And so if you can put your players in uncomfortable situations, whether they have to speak to the team, whether they have to be the guy that's, that's setting the tone that day in the weight room and he's going to set the weight, you know, whether that's a guy that's got to be at the front of the stretch line. Um, and, and that's my job, again, knowing my team and, and knowing my coaching staff and knowing to, to put pressure on certain people at certain times. And I, and I think that's a thing you have to do 365 days a year. Um, and, and I think guys know that not that they can't ever not have their guard down around me. That's not what I'm trying to say is, but they know that at any time when they're around coach, I, there's a, there, there could be an opportunity where I'm going to put a little pressure on them or put them, you know, um, ask them a question that, that I want to know the answer for. And, and, and just, just put them in, put them in uncomfortable situations at times. And again, sometimes those uncomfortable situations aren't a bad thing, you know, and, but put them in situations that they haven't been in so you can help create leadership. And then ultimately in our program, I think leadership still, there, there, there's a bunch that lays on the shoulders of our coaches. Not, you know, these are still in high school. They're, they're 14 year olds at times to, to, to 18 year olds. And I think our, there's an immense responsibility within our coaches and, our, and the men that are leading these young men to do it the right way, to, to show up to everything we do on time, to have energy to everything we do, to be really transparent in our communication, where, where people stand in our program and where they stand on our jet chart. And I think the biggest thing we can do as coaches, instead of make PowerPoints and, 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 and talk about it, is to do it, you know, is, is to do it, to show it every day, to show our leadership, to show that when we have a, when we have a position drill, that we do it, um, that we do it with great detail and we do it with great energy every day. When we transition from drill to drill in practice, that our coaches set the damn tone on how, how good we go from drill to drill and what kind of energy we need and how the, how the drills set up and how the explanation is done in a timely manner. I think we, we need to, we need to really understand as, as coaches coaching high school, excuse me, coaching high school kids that the number one way we can lead is by doing it and by showing it. And then I think they, that cause they're looking at us more than anything. Right. I mean, they're looking at us. What, what are we doing? We're as much as they, as much as they want to be Tom Brady and as much as they want to be Odell Beckham right now in their lives, at times we might be their heroes. We, we might be their father figures. We might be their, their brothers. And so how are we doing things as coaches in their lives that are around them every single day? How are we doing things in our lives? And so I think that's how we can lead. And that's how I like to foster leadership is, is put a lot of it on my coaches. And then at times when we can put it on the players is, is put them in uncomfortable situations all the time to see, see how they react and see how they lead and, 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 and see how they respond ultimately. 